0: Good morning. 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 Welcome to Bridgewater. It's great to see you all this morning. And welcome to anyone who's new. We are thrilled to have you here this morning. Pastor Rich asked me to speak on rules of engagement. Um, This is the fourth part of our series. And, uh, you know, as we go into this, um, what we've been talking about has been like, how do we get through conflict with those we love? and maybe those we'd wish we didn't hate. <laughs> the happiest moments that we have in life are often to do with relationships, but also the hardest and most difficult moments in life also have to do with relationships. So how can we build better, lasting relationships? So as a review, in the past three weeks, rule number one, Your goal is conflict cannot your your goal in conflict cannot be to win. If your goal is to win, it's gonna get messed up. And it can't be to avoid the conflict either. Your goal must be to please God. People tend to respond sinfully when they're sinned against. Rule number two your you must focus on your part of the conflict, not what the other person is doing. Remember, the biggest enemy in conflict is you. James 4 tells me that it's my, the desires within me that drive my conflict. Rule number three, humbly ask for forgiveness. And that's one of the most powerful remedies in resolving conflict. There's a big difference between an apology and asking for forgiveness. An apology is, you know, for something that you did that was accidental or unintentional. Um, asking for forgiveness has to do with something that you've done wrong and you're saying, please forgive me. You're owning it. And forgiveness has to do with moral wrongs that, you've been, that you have done. And it's not conditional. It's not something where it's like, okay, well, you know what? I'll forgive you if you do this. No, it's not conditional. Regardless of what the other person has done, you forgive. And our last one that we're going to be dealing with today is to uh, gently confront. Now... For some reason, for most of my life, I've always been the one selected to confront people. And let me tell you, I don't like conflict. Um, I would rather avoid it at all costs. Um, I just don't like it, I never did. Um, And then, but what happens, and mostly because of my career in counseling, but um, I I can recall a time where I was, doing group counseling, and there were other counselors there, and whenever there was a difficult thing that nobody wanted to address with a particular client, (laughs) Kurt, hey, hey, you want to go say this to this person? No, not really, but okay, you know, I I, I do it, and um, and, and usually it turns out pretty well, because I'm generally um, a gentle person, um, and so People tend not to get mad at me. Sometimes they do. Um, But the approach uh, that we need to have when it comes to conflict is that we need to have a gentle approach. Um, One of my favorite scriptures is, um, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a clear clear conscience and a sincere faith. If that's the goal of our instruction and that shapes the way we avoid conflict, then that's going to make a huge difference in how others respond to us when we confront them. So conflict is not just about you. But you're not ready to deal with the conflict until you've dealt with you. So let's just say, oh, you've dealt with the conflict in your own life, you've pulled that plank out of your own eye, so, so now it's time for you to go and deal with the conflict or the sin within somebody else. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in, the, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is not a personality issue. This isn't someone with a different perspective or opinion. So how, is it, how do we address sin? The world screams at us, don't tell me what to do. But who are we to go against God and his words when he tells us to confront? Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 puts it this way. Better is open, rebuked, than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. This means if you have a friend who never challenges you and confronts you on anything, it's actually an enemy. This means if you have a friend who never challenges you, um, no, remember that this is the only matter of sin, we are not lacking in criticism, as you all know. In this world today, there's a lot of criticism. This past year, I've seen more criticism and judgment on people than I've ever seen uh, in my lifetime. And so, in particularly here, we're dealing with the matter of sin, um, and lack, and, and our world lacks in proper biblical confrontation. Proverbs 28:23 says, "Whoever rebukes a person will, in the end, gain more favor." Than one who has a flattering tongue. Proverbs 8, 9 says, Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. So how do you respond when you're confronted? We'll show whether you're a mocker or whether you're wise. How many of you in here like to be confronted? (laughs) Nobody? (laughs) Nobody? I haven't met a person yet. Um, whether you're right or wrong, nobody likes to be confronted. No one likes to be told, eh, n- No, nope, that was wrong. Nobody likes that. How do you respond? Maybe you get angry, you feel that anger slowly burning with inside to a boil, and you lash out at the person confronting you. Or maybe you confront someone else, and they lash out at you. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. James 5, 19 and 20. Again, we're going to go back to Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves that you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens in this way, and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Pay attention in that verse where it says, if someone is caught in that sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. It doesn't say, you who are enraged should restore that person gently. Right? How many times do we confront when we're feeling enraged? But we need to take note of that and recognize that God wants us to be walking in the Spirit. We're going to talk about some practical tips on how to deal with uh, gently confronting, but if you're not walking in the Spirit, then God's not the one directing here. And that's really, really important. We need to look in the mirror of conflict. um, As I think about this, I think of... um, a confrontation I had with someone at one point and um, everything I was saying to this person, I was giving them scriptures and I was telling them this is, these are things that they need to do and then they were taking what I was doing with the person they were in conflict with and they were bashing that person over the head with what I was telling them to do and I'm like, wait a second we could even use the, the scriptures could be used in that way to try and bash someone over the head instead of trying to gently love on them. And that's what this person was doing. And I said to them, um, I I shared Galatians chapter 5 with them. It talks about walking in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit, that's the evidence or the litmus test of whether the Spirit of God is working in my life, those qualities. So if you're going to confront someone, recognize that this is what needs to be going on in my life. These are the characteristics that I need to be representing if I'm walking with the Spirit. And I said to this person, these are not evident in your life, that you're not walking in the Spirit. So this conflict is not going to get resolved. So we need to be walking in the Spirit, But practically, how do we do this? Confront in a way that doesn't result in a fight. If you enjoy confrontation, you probably should never do it. Okay? (laughs) Um, Biblical confrontation is difficult for a Christ follower. Biblical confrontation lives at the intersection of loving a person and hating their sin. I love you, and I know that your sin is hurting others, and it's hurting you your harshness, your lies, your pride, your wounding words. They don't just hurt others, they hurt you. And if I love you, I'm going to do what I can to stop you from continuing to hurt you. Because I love you, I can't ignore this and let it go and continue to let you hurt yourself and rack up more judgment from God on yourself. So, how do you know when and how to do this? Here are three steps to take. Number one, deal with your part of the conflict first. And pre, the previous messages this is something that, that we've dealt with. Um, we've talked about, about it a lot already. But no matter how small you think it is, you need to deal with you first. What's, what's going on with you? Is there anything going on with you? What's, what, what responsibility do you have in this conflict and you need to own that? So deal with your part of the conflict first. Number two, overlook what you can, when you can. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Proverbs 10.12, Hatred stirs up conflict, But love covers all wrongs. Proverbs 17 9. Whoever would love, foster love covers an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So, who are people who overlook faults most easily? Patient people. Wise people are patient people, patient people are quick to forgive. Patient people can put people, put themselves in someone else's shoes and try and understand. And then godly people. A godly person is someone who imitates God. Psalm 103, 8 to 10 says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. This is what God is like. If you are like God, you are patient, slow to anger, compassionate, and gracious. You're not an accuser. You're not one that's trying to pay people back for what the wrongs that they've done to you. And the next one is humble people. They see their own faults and brokenness. A humble person overlooks the faults of others because it's not about him or her. He doesn't take offense quickly because he's not obsessed with what you or other people think of him. If you are easily hurt and offended, you find that you're in that state often. here's here's might be a good verse to memorize, Ecclesiastes 7, 21 and 22, which says, Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servants cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you have cursed others. That's a humble person's perspective. If you've had your feelings hurt often and this has happened to you all of your life with di- many, many different kinds of relationships, there's potentially two things going on here. Either you pick terrible friends or um, you're easily offended. People who are easily offended struggle to overlook faults and then tend to be impatient and proud people. So now we've talked about how we've talked about overlooking faults, right? But God also tells us to confront. So when, when would we know that we, sh- what we should confront or not confront? The Bible commands us two different things. It says confront and it says overlook. So what do we do with that? When do we confront? When do we overlook? We're going to take a look at six questions that are going to help you figure that out. Number one, do you talk about the situation and how it hurts you or what they've done? If you're bringing it up with other people all the time, you probably shouldn't be. You probably should be bringing, if you're bringing it up with other people, you probably shouldn't be, and you should be talking to that person directly. So first one, do you talk about the situation, How the hurt that's been done? Has it damaged your relationship with him or her? Number three, do you find yourself thinking about it days or weeks later? Okay. If you get upset about something and it's usually, if you're really, really angry about it, It might be a good idea to let yourself calm down it might be a good idea for you to go to God and you to pray and consider how you're going to respond so that you're walking in the spirit but if this is something that continues to bother you days and weeks later then it might be something that you might need to deal with Because again going back to the other question the other one has it damaged your relationship if that's not dealt with in that case then it's going to damage the relationship. Number four, has it brought dishonor to God? If this damages the reputation of God, is, your responsibility, is it your responsibility to confront them? This is a question that you need to consider. How How is it affected? How has it damaged the relationship with God? The reputation of God. Um, is it hurting others? Sometimes people aren't aware of this. Sometimes people, they'll say things and not have any idea that what they said or what they did was hurtful. Anybody relate to that? You ever said something or done something and you're like, oh yeah, that's good. It's all good. And somebody comes to you and talks to you about it and you're like, oh, I didn't realize that. So is it hurting others? Is it hurting them? They might not even see this. Maybe they're in a dating relationship that is wrong and they don't see it, but it's hurting them. If you answered yes to these questions, then you might need to confront that person. We wanna gently confront. Once again, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves that you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens in this way and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Watch yourself. Carry their burden. How do you do that? The first step is loving loving gentle confrontation is having a conversation one-on-one. Please, 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 please do not have an argument over text message. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've seen this happen. Someone will say that, they're oh, I've been arguing with this person for two hours. And I'm thinking, I'm picturing two people in a room, you know, going at it for two hours. I'm like, wow, that's a really long time to argue. And, no, they're texting back and forth. And I'm like, wait, what? You lose so much information when you're texting. There's so much that's not communicated. If you're angry and somebody, and the person you're angry with is texting you, you're going to interpret that text in a certain way. You're going to interpret in a way that an angry person will interpret it. Even if they don't have the all caps, right? The all caps means yelling, Right? or maybe just get agitated when they mess up on the grammar or they don't capitalize letters, I don't know, you know, but please don't argue through texting. Decide, okay, we're going to we need to there's a time where we're going to need to sit down and talk about this one on one. If you can't do it like physically present, like have a like have a phone conversation or zoom conversation or something like that. But please don't please don't argue over text message. Um Make a plan, sit down and talk with the person. You can't come into confrontation in anger. Anger is not gentle. Hurting people are rarely gentle. You can't come in without a plan. Have a plan. Don't, don't react impulsively. That's reckless. Reckless people don't think things through and they don't have a plan. Your words will either be a help to heal the relationship or they'll be full of hurt and it will harm the relationship. So, with that being said, how do I confront gently? OIC, observation, interpretation, confirmation. Observation, you want to observe What are the facts? Okay, What was actually said here? And understanding that there's a lot of emotion involved here so it might take some effort to really consider what what actually occurred in this conversation, in this conflict. When you share this part, there really shouldn't be any argument. Sometimes there is um, because we're trying to focus on what are the objective observable facts there may be reason why it looked like it did or facts you don't know but when you begin what with is actually happened without exaggeration and without fuzzy feelings so that's the first part observation the next part is interpretation this is where it really gets fuzzy alright this is based on what you assume about what was said I don't know about you, but sometimes I quickly jump to the assumption in a conversation, especially if if I get worked up about it. This is where humility comes in. You need to be open to how the other person interprets those facts. So if you had a conversation with someone and they are beginning to misinterpret things or interpret things differently, then you recognize that have some humility and recognize that that you may be wrong in this a person may insist that you said something you know in your mind that you did not say anyone ever experienced that you said this you did wait what I don't remember saying that I'll joke with my wife sometimes because sometimes I actually don't remember things and um, she picks on me for it Uh, (laughs) I don't remember you saying that Yeah, so it happens to me sometimes. Um, Did you ever wonder um, how family members who don't talk to each other anymore have two, two completely different ideas about what actually occurred in a conflict? People haven't talked to each other for 20 years. Something happened. They both have an interpretation of what happened and they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're right and the other person's lying. How does that happen? Something happened. People said certain things, but what happens is in the interpretation of those things. What happens is we all make assumptions about what occurred, and then if we don't have a conversation, then those assumptions they become truth. so you 're not likely to convince that person after twenty years that what occurred was different than what they thought because those assumptions have been allowed to become truth. So if you're engaging in this, especially if this is a long-distance type of conflict, then it's going to take some time and it's going to take some humility on your part. And it's going to take you walking in the Spirit to be able to do this. Now understand that our discussion today is dealing with sin, but these principles can be applied in any conflict. The last stage is the confirmation. Is that true? Am I looking at this right? So after you're all done with the interpretation part, is that true? Is this what happened? And you get some sense of confirmation. Yep, that's how it went down. Nope, you're completely off base. And be ready for that. And if a person says, nope, you're completely off base, then okay, then help me to understand. Help me to understand what you're talking about and what you're going through. Here's an example: a family dinner. A a family has dinner together. The husband blows up. He's short-tempered. He belittles one of the kids and is sarcastic. Afterward, he pulls. He pulls himself. His wife pulls him aside and says, "Why are you such a jerk? You need to go ask forgiveness of our kids for being so harsh and angry with them tonight." Now, that's the normal way that we deal with conflict. But what if she took the OIC approach? Gentleness. She softly asks, Honey, can we talk about tonight? Observation. You were upset tonight at the dinner table. You said Daniel was a sissy, and then he started crying. You raised your voice several times, especially after dinner when Ryan wasn't helping clear the table. That's observation. Then she moves to interpretation. Humble interpretation. It seems to me that the last several days you've not been yourself. I don't know if something is wrong at work or what has wound you up, but it seems like like the way you were responding to the kids is not the way you want to come across and relate to them. Then the confirmation, am I right? I can't read your mind, please tell me. You see the difference between those two responses? I would be angry if a person responded to me by calling me a jerk. Wouldn't you? It is, it's very important how we respond. Um, there's two, two skills that are important to learn. One's called assertiveness, the ability to express how you feel and what you want, and the other's called active listening. And that's restating um, in your own words what you think that the person said and then asking for a confirmation. Am I understanding you correctly? For example, you said that you wanted to go to the beach this weekend. And later told me to go fly a kite. It doesn't seem to me, it seems to me that you're upset with me. Was it something I said? I feel confused. Please help me understand. Getting mad is so much easier. OIC takes skill, humility, and practice. But it always goes better. Why? Proverbs 12:18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There's a plan, it's not reckless. The benefit, it'll benefit the one you're confronting. And remember, confrontation is not just words. It's about your body language, it's about your tone of voice, the volume of your voice, even your facial expressions. These get misinterpreted all the time. Do you know you have the same physiological response when you're anxious and when you're angry? Your heart races. Um, your breathing becomes more rapid. Maybe you sweat, right? Maybe your face gets red, but your muscles get tense. It's the same physiological reaction. And so I can't tell you how many times I see people react to people who are anxious, that look angry, because sometimes you can't tell the difference because it's the same bodily response. Um, There was an example. I was in a group session Uh, one time and there was this very anxious woman there and she was ruminating on her thoughts and someone was sharing something personal in group and then the person in group that was sharing something personal got all agitated with that person because they looked at their face and they thought that they were just in disapproval of what they were saying and they got angry with them, not realizing that that person was in their own mind that they were anxious and they just looked at their expression and made a misinterpretation. It does, it happens. We don't truly know how someone else is feeling unless we ask. We need to communicate, we need to ask about how they're feeling. So finally, if you ignore their sin, they love it because they can keep doing it. They can keep doing what they want until it bites them. If you attack them in their sin... Then they feel self-righteous and justified in their response. Oh, you did that to me? Well, this is what I'm going to do to you. But a gentle, loving approach is unusual and much more beneficial. Here's the bottom line. When you confront, confront with love and gentleness. Every conflict provides you with an opportunity to please God. Every conflict provides you with an opportunity to love others. God doesn't give us all the rules so that we can clean up our act, so that He can love us. God gives us these rules because He already loves us. Pleasing God isn't good for God, it's good for you. God doesn't want to take something from you, He wants something for you. So, what does your next step look like? What does that mean for you today? Right now? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for how much you love us and care for us. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would help us. God, we need to be walking in your spirit. We need to be following after you in order to gently confront others, in order to have good relationships, relationships that are pleasing to you. I just pray that you help us. We cannot do this without you, Lord. We do need you, so help us. And I pray, Lord, for any of those that don't know you here this morning, um, that they would consider uh, what it means to follow you. And um, I thank you for how much you love us, God. We can never give back enough for how much you've given to us. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.